Hello, this is The Bittersweet Life. I'm Kitty Sewell. I've been in the radio business for nearly 20 years, mostly working for public radio in the United States. In 2013, I quit my stable job and moved to Rome for just one year. That's where this podcast begins. And if you're new, don't be afraid to start at the beginning. A lot of interesting topics have come up over the years, and I'd hate for you to miss out on the adventure. My co-host is Tiffany Parks. She's a writer, and she's an expat who moved to Rome over a decade ago with a determination to stay whatever it took. She's also my childhood friend. I met her on the school bus in sixth grade. I hope you like the show, and if you do, tell a friend and take the time to write us a review. We're glad you're here. Now, on with the show. Welcome to Rome. This is The Bittersweet Life with Katie Sewell and Tiffany Parks. Hello, this is The Bittersweet Life. I'm Katie Sewell. I'm Tiffany Parks. And it's almost Thanksgiving, which for us in the United States means a big holiday and some days off of work. And for you in Italy, means absolutely nothing. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's so sad. Now, in years past, we've talked about what it's like to have a holiday happen that doesn't happen in the adopted country that you're in. I don't want to cover that this year. I thought we'd do something more fun. I thought we would pretend, perhaps, that you and I are having Thanksgiving dinner together. All right. But based on this article that I found, because as you know, it's also a very tense time politically here in the United States. Oh, I am aware of that. (laughs) Yes. And as we've talked about on the show, uh, you and your entire family differ greatly in your political views. So in searching around for things that we could talk about for Thanksgiving, I came across an article called Topics You Can Safely Talk About at Thanksgiving Dinner with Your Family. Oh, (laughs) timely. And so just to be fun, just to have a good time today, I figured we would just go down the list of what we could do to avoid other conversation at Thanksgiving dinner and see what happens. Okay, sounds good. Okay, and I'm not going to read the article. I'm just going to read the headers. All right. You know what would make this even better is if we, you and I, had differing opinions on politics. That's true. But if we did, I don't know if we would still be friends, I hate to say that. I think this would just be a very different show. Yeah. We have vastly different opinions about nearly everything, really. You and I? Well, not vastly different, but our outlooks on life are pretty different. Yeah. our pers- I think our personalities are different. Right. That's true. But I think that... Our values are similar. I would say that too. But today we're going to pretend that we have to talk about anything but politics. And this can maybe be a guide for the rest of you listening who are going to Thanksgiving and are also going to be trying to avoid politics. So, okay, category number one, try an icebreaker. Oh, okay. So first we're going to do icebreakers with each other, which could be just a question. I mean, I think the fallback question at Thanksgiving is, what are you thankful for? But maybe we could come up with something more fun. I got to say, I'm terrible at icebreakers. I'm really, really bad at them. And I find myself in social situations with Italian people. I don't know if it's just the Italians that I hang out with, but I feel like a lot of them don't have that social tick that Americans have that we have to break the ice and like we have to make conversation start. So they'll just sit there in silence. And I'm like sitting there thinking, what can I ask this person? And I can never come up with something. <laughs> it's really sad. Well, how about this? What if you had, if you had uh, only $1 to spend, but you wanted to get yourself something special, what would you buy yourself? 
Oh, um, probably a piece of chocolate. Mm, perfect. Very nice. What about you? Can't buy much for a dollar in the United States anymore. I should have upped that a little bit. No, it makes it more interesting when it's just a dollar. I probably would buy... What would I buy? I would probably buy... A pen? Some gum, I would guess. <laughs> but gum's not really that big of a treat, but I do like having some on hand. Yeah. It's kind of a boring answer. What would I do as a for a treat? Oh, well, maybe I'd buy... I really do like nice stamps. Oh. I'm a person who buys nice stamps. So I might buy, or at least throw the dollar toward a sheet of really nice, interesting patterned stamps. How much is postage in the States? You could at least get a couple yeah, you could get for, two for a dollar. You could get two. Okay, there you go. I love that. All right, so let's say the icebreaker goes really, really well, and we're moving into the next phase of our conversation. Mm-hmm. Or maybe it went terribly, and we're still <laughs> moving into the next phase of our conversation. <laughs> The next category that they offer is retell an old story. Okay. Now, is this an old story that that person knows already or something that you're retelling because it's old for you? Well, let's see. In the article, they say specifically family memories, like perhaps you pull something out that everybody would feel fondly about or something that everybody would find funny. Oh, that's great. I think that's very good advice. Oh, remember when we dot, dot, dot? Yeah, so do you have a family story that you think everyone in your family would find funny? Yeah, I do have one. (laughs) And this is one that my dad and my stepmother loved to tell. My dad loved past tense. My stepmother still likes to tell this story. It's not really that funny. It's just, you know how family stories are, though? Like, they're funny because you lived them, but they're not really funny if you're telling people that weren't there. It's kind of (laughs) one of those things. But we're going to try. Forgive me if this is not funny, but I remember it, and my whole family remembers it. I was with my dad and my stepmother and at least one of my sisters, maybe more, and we were having lunch somewhere. You know one of those burger joints that's got an outdoor, indoor area yeah like a covered garden we were sitting at a booth but like the ground was cement the cement floor of of an outside place and we were sitting at a booth and I was at the on the outside of the booth but I was really little I was probably like seven six or seven and it was cold and I had zipped up my little puffy jacket and pulled my legs inside and my arms inside. (laughs) I used to do this to stay warm. (laughs) You can imagine me, like this little (laughs) seven-year-old skinny kid, sitting there with my jacket zipped up around my knees, which were pulled up, and my arms inside the jacket. And (laughs) my dad loved to tell this story. All of a sudden, with no warning, I just literally like lost my balance. (laughs) And I tipped out of the booth and I crashed onto the cement floor and I couldn't stop myself because my arms were inside my coat and I got a nosebleed. I remember that part. I don't remember the part of the guy like sitting at the next booth grumbling about how they should never have let their little daughter sit on the outside of the booth, how irresponsible that was and yada, 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 making them feel like bad parents. (laughs) I don't know how funny that is, but that's definitely one of those stories that I would kind of retell or my dad would retell it quite often. What do you think your dad loved about that story? Like, what do you like that story? That's like concussion probabilities right there. I mean, well I wasn't really hurt besides the nosebleed uh, I got nosebleeds a lot so I don't think it was a big deal I don't know I just think that he thought it was you know it was physical comedy I suppose it's funny <laughs> yeah so sorry if that's not as funny as it seems to me just 
it's just one of those memories, one of those family memories. What about you? Yeah, I love it. Well, I don't know if it's funny, but my family always tells this one touching story, which is me and my sister, Sarah, who's listening. Hi, Sarah. We're very good friends growing up. We did a lot of playing together, but we didn't always get along. We did share a room, but we had a, in some times, a contentious relationship, often with my sister not being very nice to me. Oh, and I remember that too. Yes. And so part of the family lore became a moment when she was really nice to me, which, which was when I was a baby. And I guess up the block, another baby had been born. And my sister was leaning over the crib, looking down at me. And she said to my mom, well, we win because we get Katie. Oh, that is yeah. so sweet. I know. And of course, my mom still to this day would would say at the end of a card that she wrote me or whatever, if she's feeling tender toward me, she would say, we win because we get Katie. Oh, that's one of the heartwarming family moments. It's a lot sweeter than mine, me like falling off. <laughs> <the thing. laughs> oh, we have plenty of stories that are about story. uh, falling or tumbling or manipulating each other. So it's not like it's all family togetherness and happiness. But that was one of the touching moments that often comes back up. Okay, so next category, should we move on? Let's mm, yes, move on. Okay, the next category is talk about the future. Mm. These are all really good suggestions just for having a good conversation in general. Yeah, so it says try to take the focus of the conversation to exciting events that are to come. So if you had to talk about an exciting event that is to come, what would you talk about? Well, um, my mom is coming for Christmas. <laughs> That's, so I'm excited about that. But let's see if I have something more interesting. Uh, I, You know... I don't have like one specific thing that I can think of that's coming up that's really exciting. Other than that, I'm looking forward to finishing the book that I'm working on and getting some feedback from some of my favorite writer friends and just seeing where that goes. So it, if that's exciting, I don't know if that's exciting, but that is what I sort of have on the schedule in my future. But what about you? Maybe you have something a little more exciting. I don't know. I was trying to think, what do I know that's exciting that is to come? I don't I don't know that I even have anything specifically that I know is coming that's exciting. Hmm. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm going to at least look into coming back over to Rome next year. That's exciting. <laughs> that's very exciting. I don't know if that's exciting. Sometimes it's just a lot of work for you and me, but it's kind of exciting. What else? I, I don't really know. Maybe I need to come up with some plans. I need to come up with a whatever my New Year's resolution is or something like that. Yeah, I was just going to say New Year's is coming. You could talk about New Year's resolutions. That could be part of the future thing. Right. I know. I need to come up with my one thing that can get done in a day. <laughs> For those of you who are just joining us, I always do a New Year's resolution that can be accomplished within an hour or within a day. I try not to have anything that takes more than a day. You're so smart. So I do need to come up with whatever that's going to be. Last year, it was eating oysters with champagne. The year before, I think it was that I had to get certified in CPR. But yeah, if anybody has any suggestions. I love that. I love that idea. I'm going to have to try to take your lead on that this year because last year, as every year, I disappoint myself by not fulfilling my New Year's resolutions, which are always ongoing resolutions like 
write for an hour every single day. And it's like, that's not, you know, you can't just accomplish that no. the first day. <laughs> you know? And with a goal like that, the minute you miss a day, you, you've ruined it. Plus, you you always have too many resolutions. You always have, you've lost you have like 16 different things. Oh, I know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Just go back and listen to last year's New Year's episode and it's it's just I don't even want to listen to it because I'll just feel I'll just be disappointed in myself so this <laughs> yeah. year I'm going to do what you suggest I'm going to come up with something that I can do not necessarily the first day but in a day sometime maybe in January that I've always wanted to do so I'll have to think about that yeah I mean I never do it in the first day ever okay I, yeah All right. it's usually at least a week or two in mm -hmm. and I tend to really like it if it's a food I've never eaten because that's so easy to accomplish true i had never eaten oysters before uh -huh. and i will never eat them again <laughs> <laughs> all right should we move on yes it gets more obscure as we go on here okay bring up home improvement okay this one is really good for me this year because we're doing a bunch of home improvements right now Ooh, do tell well we moved into this apartment two years ago a little over two years ago and you know how it is when you move into a new place fixing things and getting things set up and obviously furniture and if we're moving into a brand new place like this was a brand new we had to put out a whole kitchen and bathrooms and it just it was so much work and so much money that all of a sudden I think you get to a point where you're like okay I can't do anything else stop you know and we just stopped and the place was not totally done we had all the furniture that we needed but there were some major things that hadn't been done like we have no curtains in the whole house we have very few pictures on the walls we wanted to buy a new dining room table. We still have our old crappy one that we hate. A couple of other things like that. So we finally, just this past month, we are doing this. It's nothing big. It's nothing like major, like we're not remodeling anything. But we are buying a bunch of new furniture and finally doing things like curtains and pictures. And I just, I'm so excited. I'm just... I just cannot wait for this place to be done because it's a really cute place, but I feel like we haven't brought it to its full potential yet. So I'm looking forward to that. And I'm looking forward to also making it super cozy for Christmas. We're finally buying like a big rug for the living room. As much as I love hardwood floors, there's something about carpet. It's just so cozy and makes the room so warm. So I'm really looking forward to like getting a big, pretty, comfy rug. Hmm. Very nice. <laughs> what about you? So... We have no plans, but I think that Derek and I both dream of living in a bigger space. I don't know that that's going to necessarily happen in the next year. Our apartment is extremely expensive and extremely small. Yeah, San Francisco is oof. occupied by two adult humans and two kind of fat cats. <laughs> <laughs> the kind of home improvement that I most look forward to, though, are if we can break the cats of some of the bad habits that they've formed. Mm. They picked up a new one the other day that I think is kind of funny. So we live in the back of a garage. I know that sounds really, really glamorous. So you have to walk through another person's garage, past their car, their luggage, past the garbage cans, and then you can get to the door of our apartment. Wait, 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 wait. Let me just clarify. You live behind someone's garage you don't live in the back of someone's garage like you're not in the well the, not the, the, like the rear part of their garage you don't live inside their garage <laughs> you live behind their garage i live behind their garage but i have to walk through their garage to be able to get to my house so once when i was out of town derek somehow fell asleep without having that door to the garage securely latched 
he probably was carrying a bunch of stuff in from the outside and he kicked it behind him and it sort of closed, but it didn't latch all the way shut. So when he wakes up in the morning, the cats are in the room, but he realizes that the garage door is wide open. And so they've spent the entire night exploring the garage, which they've always been very curious about. And now they have realized the mysteries and the uh, marvelousness that is the garage, which does definitely have some mice in it, which definitely has some corners to sniff into and some food products. And so now they are absolutely obsessed with the garage to the point where they sometimes, like they're doing now, but I shut the door, sit by the back door and meow at the door. Oh, no. Or if you open the door, sometimes they'll make a beeline rushing to try to get out there. So whatever happened that night must have been really incredible. (laughs) But I'm really (laughs) looking forward to them sort of forgetting that the garage is out there a little bit more than they are currently. I mean, Derek's more of the position of, why don't we just let him out in the garage every night? Maybe they'd catch the mice. One of those nights, the neighbor's going to come in late and open the garage door with their remote, and they're just going to be gone into the night. We'll never see them again. No. Which, you know, might not be the worst thing in the world. <laughs> but I'm sure they know, would come back. Maybe. They're not super savvy <laughs> in the outdoors. Okay. I don't know. Plus, they have no idea where they are. As far as they know, they're still in Seattle, so they're, they'd probably be extremely confused. So that's my story. (laughs) That's my home improvement story. I really don't have any good home improvement things to say right now because I don't own this home and, uh, you know, we don't have any room to improve it. Everything we buy, we have to get rid of something else. It's sort of one of those super cramped situations right now. I know how that is, but I think that's a good philosophy in life anyway. Yeah. I tried to do that, actually. Not that I have this huge home. It's not huge either, but we do not have any storage space. We have one tiny little this tiny little space that when we finally manage to build a door, have a door built, it will be like a broom closet. It's a small broom closet. That's it. That's all of the quote unquote storage space we have. And sometimes we kind of gripe about it. We should have bought storage units in the basement of our building. Uh, I think they were like $10,000, 10,000 euros, right? I was kind of against it at the time and I'm still against it. And I think part of the reason is You never get what you stored out of storage. Like it's just in there forever until you throw it away, right? With the exception of like maybe a bike. Or Christmas stuff. Yeah, Christmas stuff. Okay, Christmas stuff and a bike. That's about it. If we have had a storage unit, we would fill it up with junk. Like we would eventually just have enough junk that it would be full of junk. Mm -hmm. And the fact that we don't have any storage space means we're not going to accumulate junk. Yeah. And it's really easy to get rid of stuff when you have nowhere to keep it. And it's really easy to hold on to stuff when you have somewhere to stick it that's out of sight. And I don't like holding on to stuff. There are certain things, like I'm very sentimental about Aurelio's baby clothes, stuff from my wedding, and of course photographs and things like that. So I have my things that I hold on to, but like as far as old clothes and old shoes and, and things like that, I'm brutal and I just throw it out and it feels good. I like the way it feels when I've gotten rid of something. Yeah. Well, and Derek and I have moved so much in the last six years. Every time we move, we get rid of more stuff. Yeah. So pretty soon we won't have anything left. (laughs) I'm just going to give you one tiny little statistic before we move on to the next question. Oh, please. There are more pay storage units in the United States than there are Starbucks, Dunkin' Donuts, and McDonald's combined. Wow. Gross. Think about how much junk people have and they're paying to keep in a storage unit that they will probably never, ever 
yeah get out again gross all right so moving on because we're getting into a sensitive topic there that could start an argument at the uh, table that could that don't could. you be cutting on my storage unit junk tiffany i need that stuff yeah that's right i don't want to hoarder shame anyone i'm a collector <laughs> <laughs> okay so let's say that brings up tension so the next category is there's always the weather Ah, uh, boring how's the weather how's it been this uh fall for you so far I don't know, Katie. I think that's a little bit... I would skip that one. Because don't you think... Come on, you got to play along. How's the weather been? I have to play along? Well, actually, okay, fine. I'll play along. We just had a huge storm yesterday. Very, very, very windy. And the schools were all closed for it. And I was like, this is so dumb. I mean, I still kind of feel like that. What would these people do if they lived in a city with serious weather? I'm not even talking about tornadoes and hurricanes, but like, you know, in Seattle, it rains constantly. And, you know, I just remember in Boston as well, like having torrential downpours and like crazy weather just every once in a while, not all the time. And of course, when you get into the Midwest and the South, it's it's even more uh, dramatic. Mm -hmm. I have this little group chat with all the mothers from the preschool. And I'm like, why are they canceling school? It's ridiculous for a little bit of rain. Well, it turns out it was so windy that several trees were knocked down. Four people died. I saw a tree falling from my office yesterday. Mm. I was having to be looking out the window, and all of a sudden I hear this, like, and this tree just crashed onto the ground on a street where I often park. (laughs) And I saw another tree had fallen down on my way home that day. A huge centuries-old cypress tree in the Vatican Gardens fell down. Claudio sent me a picture of that. So I guess it was a kind of serious storm. Venice is totally underwater. I don't know if you've seen any of the photos, but people are walking around but swimming. People yeah, are swimming, literally swimming through St. Mark's Square. And along the Italian Riviera, also a whole bunch of boats were destroyed. So I guess it has been a pretty serious storm. But I still feel like Italians really overreact when it comes to weather. Because the schools were closed again today, and today was perfect weather. It rained a little in the morning, half sunny, half cloudy. Italians cannot handle anything but like sun and 72 degrees. Anything else is like, what's going on? (laughs) It bugs me. And I still do not have confirmation that the school is going to be open tomorrow. Wow. So we will see. But um, I guess that's the weather issue that's been going on. Otherwise, we've had a gorgeous fall. Beautiful, beautiful weather. Now, before you go Googling that, I should mention that we're taping this a little bit in advance because we have to travel, or I have to travel. Sorry, Tiffany, for the holiday. <laughs> Sorry. I didn't, I didn't mean to ruin the illusion. That's okay. Sorry. That's okay. I just don't want to be confusing anybody, but this is all about illusion. Travel is one of the requirements oftentimes of Thanksgiving that brings you together with all this family. When you hear this episode, Derek and I will be driving down to visit my sister in Palm Desert, where things will get very hot. <laughs> very suddenly wait which of your sisters lives in palm desert oh my uh, oldest sister just moved there just this year oh she just moved there yeah. okay because i thought she lived in seattle she did she did and she just moved okay just like me she's been moving around a lot in the last few years she yeah. was in hawaii for a while and she was in seattle now she's in palm desert wow where will she be next they usually spend about a month in mexico during the summer if they can pull it off that's so, cool i'm not the only traveler in my family turns out all right so our very final category. Well, wait, you didn't talk about your weather. Oh, so San Francisco's been nice. Everybody kept telling me 
I think I might have complained about this on the show. I'm in San Francisco, but I just moved here in January, so I didn't know what to expect weather-wise here. And the weather in the summer here is quite cloudy and sort of chilly and extremely windy. It was often in the 50s. It was very dark. Everybody's wearing hats because the wind is so high to keep their hair pulled back. I'm thinking, this is sucks. (laughs) (laughs) I'm used to the terrible weather of Seattle much of the year, but then the summer is beautiful. Here, Mm -hmm. the summer was absolutely horrible. All of you from San Francisco are just nodding your heads because you know they have names for things like this, like uh, Foggist, for instance. Oh, God, that's so sad. (laughs) It was so sad. But they kept saying, just wait till September, October. Just wait till September, October. It'll be so great. It's what we live here for. And I I would say that September was a little bit of a bummer. I don't know what they would think of that. I still found it to be sort of cloudy and cold. But October has been absolutely beautiful. And so far, it's been like mid-60s or 70s every day. Wow. I wonder why. November. I don't know how long it holds into November, but so far, so good. So we'll see. We'll see. Still really, really windy in the afternoon in the neighborhood that I'm in. But Mm -hmm. I've also been told that the entire city is microclimates. So just because it's windy here in the afternoon doesn't mean it's windy somewhere else. That's so, so odd. I'm in the wind from 3 p.m. on. I wonder why that is. Who All these weather patterns going over the Pacific. I don't know. If you're driving into the city in the afternoon, you can actually see the fog pouring in over the hillsides. And then once you get into it, it can turn like pitch dark all of a sudden. Jeez. Certain times of day, and if it's foggy enough, you can drive across the Golden Gate Bridge and barely be able to see it. I remember a photograph that you sent me. Yeah, yeah, maybe we can post that. Yeah, so I don't know. The The fog here uh, has its own Instagram account. His name is Carl. <laughs> Carl the Fog of San Francisco or something like that. It's pretty funny. <laughs> All right, so finally, to wrap up this long dinner that we're having, this one's going to be tricky with you and me, but... Ask your family about themselves. In the article, they say that older relatives often have fascinating stories to tell, and family dinners are a wonderful time to ask them about their favorite memories. Mm, that's true. That you might not hear otherwise. Yeah. Well, why don't you tell me if you, know, if you haven't heard any great stories from your older relatives? Well, one of them, a number of years back, I interviewed my grandmother. One of my grandmothers is still alive. And she's 100 years old. She just turned 100 in September. But a couple of years ago, I went to her house and I interviewed her over the course of two days, asking all these different questions that my cousins had submitted that they wanted answers to and things I had come up with myself. And a lot of the stories that she told, I knew. But every now and then she would come across, while she was recounting some story, a detail that she had herself had forgotten about her life. Those little details were my favorite part of the interview. The ones where she had this, oh, I didn't even remember that until now. And the one that stands out to me was that she can remember being a little kid and her and her brother were pretty close in age, but they each had their own room. And so they would be going to bed around the same time. And so from a mother's perspective, what do you do in that circumstance? How do you spend the time? And she remembered that her mother sometimes would plug in a light in the hallway and she would sit on the floor between the two doors while they laid in bed and read them a story. 
Oh, so that they both could hear. That's cute. <laughs> and I thought that was such a cute detail. Yeah, such a funny, but so easy to picture, you know. And probably the little detail that makes me able to picture my grandmother as a little girl the most. Mm-hmm. You can feel that, what that would be like. How about you? Well, you know, I did not grow up super close to my grandparents. And I actually don't have any grandparents now, but I have a great story that my mom used to tell me. I think it was one of those stories that I used to ask her to tell me often because I feel like I know it really well. So the story is that when she turned 18, she decided she needed to get a job. She was living in um, eastern Washington near the city of Spokane, which is the second largest city in Washington state. She decided she was just going to get dressed up and go downtown and find a job. This would have been 1960. Not to date my mom, sorry. But, you know, I think that picturing 1960 gives you an idea of the fashions and stuff. So my mom did not grow up with a lot of money, but she did know how to sew. She made her own clothes. And she said that she, I think, I want to say that the outfit she wore was white. But it could have just been that she had a white hat on. But she definitely had gloves on. She definitely had a white hat and white gloves, whether or not her outfit, which I'm sure was a a suit with a skirt, not pants. I don't know if that was white, but she definitely had a white hat on and white gloves. And she, she went downtown Spokane, and she said she walked down the main street of town, and she went into every single building until she had a job. That was kind of her plan. And she said that as she walked down the street, a lot of people were turning around and looking at her, and she couldn't figure out why. But I will tell you, I assume that she just looked really cute, <laughs> and that's why people were, were turning around. And I don't know why. That's not a really exciting story. But I just I love picturing my mom as an 18-year-old, determined that she's going to get herself a job, and just, you know, and she didn't get a job that day, so it worked out. What did she get? I don't know. I know it was probably a secretary, but I don't know who she was working for. Patty, write us and tell us who you were working for. (laughs) Well, and to wrap up, the article writer, who I will tell you who it is in just a moment, recommends that if all of these avoidance topics don't work (laughs) and you still end up talking about politics or religion or any of the other things that you're not supposed to discuss at family reunions... They say that it's okay to take a quote-unquote bathroom break. You give your kid a timeout if they're getting in the weeds or getting crazy. It's okay as an adult to take a little bit of a timeout yourself and see if you can't reset the conversation by leaving for a while. That's all good advice. It's very good advice, and I will not have to deal with that, at least not this Thanksgiving, but nevertheless good advice. My mom, as I mentioned, is coming for Christmas, so I will keep that in mind <laughs> while she is here because we differ yes. on politics. And so, this article, in case you need to refer to it, in case you forgot any of the steps that you just listened to, is called Topics You Can Safely Talk About at a Thanksgiving Dinner with Your Family by Terry Coles in the Huffington Post. Well, thank you, Terry Coles. That was very, very good advice. Yes, and we'll post a link to the article in the show notes as well. How about that? We'll make it super easy. We will. Well, I wish we were actually having dinner together for Thanksgiving. I know. We haven't even decided if we're going to do it this year. 
I do have to say the worst Thanksgiving dinner I've ever had was in Rome the year I lived there. So uh, it may be not worth it. <laughs> it's, you know what, for me, it's like, if you're going to have a huge Thanksgiving with a ton of people, like the way I used to celebrate back when I was a tour guide and I just, I knew like 50 people like really closely and I just hung out with all these people. We used to have these huge Thanksgiving dinners and they were potluck, right? So everybody brought something all the host had to do was make the turkey and everything else would have been brought. When you don't want to have a huge party like that, which I definitely don't, you have to do a lot. Even if people who you invite bring something, they're not going to bring the bulk of the meal. So, I mean, huge kudos to people who make an entire Thanksgiving meal every day. I mean, every, every day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, really kudos to those people. <laughs> Sorry. Kudos to all those people out there, like my sister, who make a full Thanksgiving meal every year. I just don't have the stamina. But also, the problem is that we don't have Thursday and Friday off. So if you want to do Thanksgiving dinner, you either have to take a day off of work, use one of your vacation days, or you have to do it at night and you know you have to make everything beforehand. So it's just... Just thinking about it kind of stresses me out. As much as I would love to have Thanksgiving dinner, I just... And then there's the whole issue of like even finding a turkey is complicated. Finding all of the ingredients and it's just... I would love to do it, but I just don't know if I will. Well, for those of you who are contemplating a move overseas who currently live in the United States, maybe this year, this week, you should ask yourself, is Thanksgiving dinner something I am willing to give up? For the rest of my life, <laughs> or at least for the next year. I mean, maybe some people do travel home for Thanksgiving, but it's just, it's so close to Christmas that if you're traveling home for Christmas, it's it's kind of expensive to travel and time consuming to travel all the way back to the States for Thanksgiving and Christmas. Right. Exactly. So it can be difficult. Yes. Well, we should leave it there. But I do want to say I'm thank you to all of you who listen to this show every week. For those of you who write your stories and send us your letters and and participate on our social media and all those fun little things. For those of you who found the show this year, for those of you who spread the word during the share I'm thankful to all of you. And I look forward to next year when we continue this journey together. Yes. We are also incredibly thankful to all of the people who have donated to our show and who continue to do so. We could not keep this show going without your support. So thank you as well. That's true. You are the people that actually might make it possible that we are here next year. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's true. It's true. So, yes, thank you. Thank you so much. And uh, until next time, this is The Bittersweet Life. I'm Katie Sewell. I'm Tiffany Parks. Happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving. It's true. This show doesn't survive without your donations. Your financial support makes this show possible. We have bills to pay and we need to make a living. And this show takes a long time to make. If you love the show and you want to support it and make sure it makes its way into 2019, please take a moment to visit thebittersweetlife.net on your desktop. Click the donate button and donate whatever feels right to you. You will receive a handwritten thank you note in return. And even more than that, the swelling of our hearts loving you forever. That's thebittersweetlife.net on your desktop. Click the donate button and offer whatever it is that feels right to you. We really do appreciate your support. Additionally, if you're a person who would like to advertise to the Bittersweet Life audience, feel free to send us an email to get the conversation going. That's at bittersweetlife 
at mail.com. Bittersweetlife at M-A-I-L dot com. Thanks for all the ways you support us and have a great holiday. Bye. Thank you.